Book 13, chapters 14 through 16 of The Antiquities of the Jews, volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 3, by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book 13, Chapters 14 through 16. Chapter 14 how Demetrius Eucerus overcame Alexander, and yet in a little time retired out of the country for fear, as also how Alexander slew many of the Jews, and thereby got clear of his troubles, concerning the death of Demetrius. So Demetrius came with an army, and took those that invited him, and pitched his camp near the city Shechem, upon which Alexander, with his six thousand two hundred mercenaries, and about twenty thousand Jews, who were of his party, went against Demetrius, who had three thousand horsemen and forty thousand footmen. Now there were great endeavors used on both sides, Demetrius trying to bring off the mercenaries that were with Alexander, because they were Greeks, and Alexander trying to bring off the Jews that were with Demetrius. However, when neither of them could persuade them so to do, they came to a battle, and Demetrius was the conqueror, in which all Alexander's mercenaries were killed, when they had given demonstration of their fidelity and courage. A great number of Demetrius's soldiers were slain also. Now as Alexander fled to the mountains, six thousand of the Jews hereupon came together from Demetrius, to him out of pity at the change of his fortune, upon which Demetrius was afraid, and retired out of the country, after which the Jews fought against Alexander, and being beaten, were slain in great numbers in the several battles which they had. And when he had shut up the most powerful of them in the city of Bethom, he beseeched them therein. And when he had taken the city, and gotten the men into his power, he brought them to Jerusalem, and did one of the most barbarous actions in the world to them. For as he was feasting with his concubines, in the sight of all the city, he ordered about eight hundred of them to be crucified. And while they were living, he ordered the throats of their children and wives to be cut before their eyes. This was indeed by way of revenge for the injuries they had done him, which punishment yet was of an inhuman nature, though we suppose that he had never been so much distressed, as indeed he had been, by his wars with them, for he had by their means come to the last degree of hazard, both of his life and of his kingdom, while they were not satisfied by themselves only to fight against him, but introduced foreigners also for the same purpose. Nay, at length they reduced him to that degree of necessity, that he was forced to deliver back to the king of Arabia the land of Moab and Gilead, which he had subdued, and the places that were in them, that they might not join with them in the war against him, as they had done ten thousand other things that tended to affront and reproach him. However, this barbarity seems to have been without any necessity, on which account he bare the name of a Thracian among the Jews, whereupon the soldiers that had fought against him, being about eight thousand in number, ran away by night, and continued fugitives all the time that Alexander lived, who now being freed from any further disturbance from them, reigned the rest of his time in the utmost tranquillity. 
But when Demetrius was departed out of Judea, he went to Berea and besieged his brother Philip, having with him ten thousand footmen and a thousand horsemen. However, Strato, the tyrant of Berea, the confederate of Philip, called in Zizon, the ruler of the Arabian tribes, and Mithridates Synax, the ruler of the Parthians, who coming with a great number of forces, and besieging Demetrius in his encampment, into which they had driven them with their arrows, they compelled those that were with him by thirst to deliver up themselves. So they took a great many spoils out of that country, and Demetrius himself, whom they sent to Mithridates, who was then king of Parthus. But as to those whom they took captives of the people of Antioch, they restored them to Antiochus without any reward. Now Mithridates, the king of Parthus, had Demetrius in great honor, till Demetrius ended his life by sickness. So Philip, presently after the fight was over, came to Antioch and took it, and reigned over Syria. Chapter 15. How Antiochus, who was called Dionysus, and after him Aretas, made expeditions into Judea, as also how Alexander took many cities and then returned to Jerusalem, and after a sickness of three years, died, and what counsel he gave to Alexandra. After this, Antiochus, who was called Dionysus, and was Philip's brother, aspired to the dominion, and came to Damascus, and got the power into his hands, and there he reigned. But as he was making war against the Arabians, his brother Philip heard of it, and came to Damascus, where Melesias, who had been left governor of the citadel, and the Damascenes themselves, delivered up the city to him. Yet because Philip was become ungrateful to him, and had bestowed upon him nothing of that in hopes whereof he had received him into the city, but had a mind to have it believed, that it was rather delivered up out of fear than by the kindness of Melesias. And because he had not rewarded him as he ought to have done, he became suspected by him, and so he was obliged to leave Damascus again. For Melesias caught him marching out into the Hippodrome, and shut him up in it, and kept Damascus for Antiochus Eucerus, who hearing how Philip's affairs stood, came back out of Arabia. He also came immediately, and made an expedition against Judea, with eight thousand armed footmen, and eight hundred horsemen. So Alexander, out of fear of his coming, dug a deep ditch, beginning at Charbarzaba, which is now Antipatris, to the Sea of Joppa, on which part only his army could be brought against him. He also raised a wall, and erected wooden towers, and intermediate redoubts, for one hundred and fifty furlongs in length, and there expected the coming of Antiochus. But he soon burnt them all, and made his army pass by that way into Arabia. The Arabian king Aretas at first retreated, but afterward appeared on the sudden with ten thousand horsemen. Antiochus gave them the meeting, and fought desperately, and indeed when he had gotten the victory, and was bringing some auxiliaries to that part of his army that was in distress, he was slain. When Antiochus was fallen, his army fled to the village of Cana, where the greatest part of them perished by famine. After him Arams reigned over Celesyria, being called to the government by those that held Damascus, by reason of the hatred they bear to Ptolemy Manias. He also made thence an expedition against Judea, and beat Alexander in battle, near a place called Adida. Yet did he, upon certain conditions agreed on between them, retire out of Judea. 
But Alexander marched again to the city of Dios, and took it, and then made an expedition against Essa, where was the best part of Zeno's treasures, and there he encompassed the place with three walls. And when he had taken the city by fighting, he marched to Golan and Seleucia. And when he had taken these cities, he, besides them, took that valley which is called the Valley of Antiochus, as also the fortress of Gamala. He also accused Demetrius, who was governor of those places, of many crimes, and turned him out. And after he had spent three years in this war, he returned to his own country, when the Jews joyfully received him upon this his good success. Now at this time the Jews were in possession of the following cities that had belonged to the Syrians, and Idumeans, and Phoenicians. At the seaside, Strato's Tower, Apollonia, Joppa, Jamhis, Ashdod, Gaza, Athadon, Raphia, and Rhinocolura. In the middle of the country, near to Idumea, Adorn and Marissa. Near the country of Samaria, Mount Carmel and Mount Tabor, Scythopolis and Gadara. Of the country of Golanitis, Seleucia and Gabala. In the country of Moab, Heshbon and Medaba, Lemba and Oranus. Gelathon, Zoran, the valley of Cilices, and Polo, which last they utterly destroyed, because its inhabitants would not bear to change their religious rites for those peculiar to the Jews. The Jews also possess others of the principal cities of Syria, which had been destroyed. After this, King Alexander, although he fell into a distemper by hard drinking, and had a quartan ague, which held him three years, yet would not leave off going out with his army, till he was quite spent with the labors he had undergone, and died in the bounds of Ragaba, a fortress beyond Jordan. But when his queen saw that he was ready to die, and had no longer any hopes of surviving, she came to him weeping and lamenting, and bewailed herself and her sons on the desolate condition they should be left in, and said to him, To whom dost thou thus leave me and my children, who are destitute of all other supports, and this when thou knowest how much ill will thy nation bears thee. But he gave her the following advice, that she need but follow what he would suggest to her, in order to retain the kingdom securely with her children, that she should conceal his death from the soldiers till she should have taken that place. After this she should go in triumph, as upon a victory, to Jerusalem, and put some of her authority into the hands of the Pharisees for that they would commend her for the honors she had done them, and would reconcile the nation to her. For he told her they had great authority among the Jews, both to do her to such as they hated, and to bring advantages to those to whom they were friendly disposed. For that they were then believed best of all by the multitude, when they speak any severe things against others, though it be only out of envy at them. And as he said that it was by their means that he had incurred the displeasure of the nation, whom indeed he had injured. Do thou, therefore, he said, when thou art come to Jerusalem, send for the leading men among them, and show them my body, and with great appearance of sincerity, give them leave to use it as they themselves please, whether they will dishonor the dead body by refusing it burial, as having severely suffered by my means, or whether in their anger they will offer any other injury to that body. Promise them also that thou wilt do nothing without them in the affairs of the kingdom. If thou dost but say this to them, I shall have the honor of a more glorious funeral from them than thou couldst have made for me. 
and when it is in their power to abuse my dead body, they will do it no injury at all, and thou wilt rule in safety. So when he had given his wife this advice, he died, after he reigned twenty-seven years, and lived fifty years within one. Chapter 16. How Alexandra, by gaining the good will of the Pharisees, retained the kingdom nine years, and then, having done many glorious actions, died. So Alexandra, when she had taken the fortress, acted as her husband had suggested to her, and spake to the Pharisees, and put all things into their powers, both as to the dead body, and as to the affairs of the kingdom, and thereby pacified their anger against Alexander, and made them bear good will and friendship to him, who then came among the multitude, and made speeches to them, and laid before them the actions of Alexander, and told them that they had lost a righteous king, and by the commendation they gave him, they brought them to grieve, and to be in heaviness for him, so that he had a funeral more splendid than had any of the kings before him. Alexander left behind him two sons, Hyrcanus and Aristobulus, but committed the kingdom to Alexandra. Now as to these two sons, Hyrcanus was indeed unable to manage public affairs, and delighted rather in a quiet life. But the younger, Aristobulus, was an active and bold man, and for this woman herself, Alexandra, she was loved by the multitude, because she seemed displeased at the offenses her husband had been guilty of. So she made Hyrcanus high priest, because he was the elder, but much more because he cared not to meddle with politics, and permitted the Pharisees to do everything, to whom also she ordered the multitude to be obedient. She also restored again those practices which the Pharisees had introduced, according to the traditions of their forefathers, and which her father-in-law, Hyrcanus, had abrogated. So she had indeed the name of the regent, but the Pharisees had the authority. For it was they who restored such as had been banished, and set such as were prisoners at liberty, and to say all at once, they differed in nothing from lords. However, the queen also took care of the affairs of the kingdom, and got together a great body of mercenary soldiers, and increased her own army to such a degree, that she became terrible to the neighboring tyrants, and took hostages of them. And the country was entirely at peace, excepting the Pharisees. For they disturbed the queen, and desired that she would kill those who persuaded Alexander to slay eight hundred men, after which they cut the throat of one of them, Diogenes, and after him they did the same to several, one after another, till the men that were the most potent came into the palace, and Aristobulus with them, for he seemed to be displeased at what was done, and it appeared openly that if he had an opportunity, he would not permit his mother to go on so. These put the queen in mind what great dangers they had gone through, and great things they had done, whereby they had demonstrated the firmness of their fidelity to their master, insomuch that they had received the greatest marks of favor from him, and they begged of her that she would not utterly blast their hopes. As it happened now, that when they had escaped the hazards that arose from their open enemies, they were to be cut off at home by their private enemies, like brute beasts, without any help whatsoever. They also said, that if their adversaries would be satisfied with those that had been slain already, they would take what had been done patiently, on account of their natural love to their governors. But if they must expect the same for the future also, they implored of her a dismission from her service. 
for they could not bear to think of attempting any method for their deliverance without her, but would rather die willingly before the palace gate, in case she would not forgive them. And that it was a great shame, both for themselves and for the queen, that when they were neglected by her, they should come under the lash of her husband's enemies. For that Aretas, the Arabian king, and the monarchs, would give any reward, if they could get such men as foreign auxiliaries, to whom their very names, before their voices be heard, may perhaps be terrible. But if they could not obtain this their second request, and if she had determined to prefer the Pharisees before them, they still insisted that she would place them every one in her fortresses. For if some fatal demon hath a constant spite against Alexander's house, they would be willing to bear their part, and to live in a private station there. As these men said thus, and called upon Alexander's ghost for commiseration of their already slain, and those in danger of it, all the bystanders break into tears. But Aristobulus chiefly made manifest what were his sentiments, and used many reproachful expressions to his mother, saying, Nay, indeed, the case is this, that they have been themselves the authors of their own calamities, who have permitted a woman who, against reason, was mad with ambition, to reign over them, when there were sons in the flower of their age fitter for it. So Alexandra, not knowing what to do with any decency, committed the fortresses to them, all but Hyrcania and Alexandrium and Mercurus, where her principal treasures were. After a little while also, she sent her son Aristobulus with an army to Damascus against Ptolemy, who was called Menias, who was such a bad neighbor to the city. But he did nothing considerable there, and so returned home. About this time news was brought that Tigranes, the king of Armenia, had made an eruption into Syria with 500,000 soldiers, and was coming against Judea. This news, as may well be supposed, terrified the queen and the nation. Accordingly, they sent him many and valuable presents, as also ambassadors, and that as he was besieging Ptolemais, for Selene the queen, the same that was also called Cleopatra, reigned then over Syria, who had persuaded the inhabitants to exclude Tigranes. So the Jewish ambassadors interceded with him, and entreated him that he would determine nothing that was severe about their queen or nation. He commended them for the respects they paid him at so great a distance, and gave them good hopes of his favor. But as soon as Ptolemais was taken, news came to Tigranes, that Lucullus, in his pursuit of Mithridates, could not light upon him, who was fled into Iberia, but was laying waste Armenia, and besieging its cities. Now when Tigranes knew this, he returned home. After this, when the queen was fallen into a dangerous distemper, Aristobulus resolved to attempt the seizing of the government. So he stole away secretly by night, with only one of his servants, and went to the fortresses, wherein his friends, that were such from the days of his father, were settled. For as he had been a great while displeased at his mother's conduct, so he was now much more afraid, lest upon her death their whole family should be under the power of the Pharisees. For he saw the inability of his brother, who was to succeed the government. Nor was any one conscious of what he was doing but only his wife, whom he left at Jerusalem with their children. He first of all came to Agaba, where was Galestes, one of the potent men before mentioned, and was received by him. When it was day, the queen perceived that Aristobulus was fled. 
and for some time she supposed that his departure was not in order to make any innovation but when messengers came one after another with the news that he had secured the first place the second place and all the places for as soon as one had begun they all submitted to his disposal then it was that the queen and the nation were in the greatest disorder for they were aware that it would not be long ere aristobulus would be able to settle himself firmly in the government what they were principally afraid of was this that he would inflict punishment upon them for the mad treatment his house had had from them so they resolved to take his wife and children into custody and keep them in the fortress that was over the temple now there was a mighty conflux of people that came to aristobulus from all parts insomuch that he had a kind of royal attendance about him for in a little more than fifteen days he got twenty-two strong places which gave him the opportunity of raising an army from libanus and traconitus and the monarchs for men were easily led by the greater number and easily submitted to them and besides this that by affording him their assistance when he could not expect it they as well as he should have the advantages that would come by his being king because they had been the occasion of his gaining the kingdom now the elder of the jews and hyrcanus with them went in unto the queen and desired that she would give them her sentiments about the present posture of affairs for that aristobulus was in effect lord of almost all the kingdom by possessing of so many strongholds and it was absurd for them to take any counsel by themselves how ill soever she were whilst she was alive and that the danger would be upon them in no long time but she bid them do what they thought proper to be done that they had many circumstances in their favor still remaining a nation in good heart an army and money in their several treasuries for that she had small concern about public affairs now when the strength of her body already failed her now a little while after she had said this to them she died when she had reigned nine years and had in all lived seventy-three a woman she was who showed no signs of weakness of her sex for she was sagacious to the greatest degree in her ambition of governing and demonstrated by her doings at once that her mind was fit for action and that sometimes men themselves show the little understanding they have by the frequent mistakes they make in point of government for she always preferred the present to futurity and preferred the power of an imperious domain above all things and in comparison of that had no regard to what was good or what was right however she brought the affairs of her house to such an unfortunate condition that she was the occasion of the taking away that authority from it and that in no long time afterward which she had obtained by a vast number of hazards and misfortunes and this out of a desire of what does not belong to a woman and all by a compliance in her sentiments with those that bear ill-will to their family and by leaving the administration destitute of a proper support of great men and indeed her management during her administration while she was alive was such as filled the palace after her death with calamities and disturbance however although this had been her way of governing she preserved the nation in peace and this is the conclusion of the affairs of alexandra end of book thirteen chapters fourteen through sixteen End of Book 13